it's time for Rod and Real Radio with your hosts, Hopalong John Cassidy, fresh and saltwater expert angler Stan Vanderberg, and all-around outdoors fishing and hunting enthusiast Wendy Toshihara. If you love the outdoors, enjoy salt or freshwater fishing, yearn to wade in a high Sierra or Alaska stream, or just look forward to taking the kids out to one of our local lakes to chase trout, crappie, or bass, this is the show for you. We'll cover most all of the fishing tournaments and events with special reports while providing you with the information you need as to how and where to experience the best fishing opportunities in Southern California, Baja, Alaska, or just about anywhere the fish are biting. Rod and Real Radio brought to you by El Cajon Ford at Broadway and Main or online at ElCajonFord.com. Whether it's time for a new or used car or truck or you need to take advantage of San Diego's best quick lane for service with genuine Ford parts, brand name tires at competitive prices, remember nobody beats El Cajon Ford. We have some fantastic guests and reports lined up for you this evening, so sit back, relax, and get ready for the fastest two hours in radio. It's all right here, right now, on Rod and Real Radio, the best stop on your Radio dial for all the information you need for fishing opportunities all over the United States. Now here's your host, Hop Along, John Cassidy. Hey, Mark Larkin, thank you very much in Southern California. Welcome to another Sunday edition. Coastal Conservation Association Executive Director Wayne Cotto. Wayne, you're going to be with us live here in the studios. Welcome. Thank you. It's good to have you here, too, uh, also with us. Let me introduce to you my co-host. First of all, he is the voice of one hundred bass boat and a darn good fisherman in his own right, Mr. Stan Vandenberg. Stan, how you doing, sir? You know, just doesn't get much better. <laughs> we have had everything. Don't you feel like it's Southern California turned into Texas? Everything just is bigger and, and better. <laughs> uh, uh, it's hard to fathom how deep and <laughs> this this El Nino is taking us this year, but I'm sure we'll talk a little later on about this. Well, I tell you one thing. I think Texas is getting our rain you know, right are. now. So, yeah, hey, and I heard another voice in the background. If you heard it, too, the other co-host uh, co of Ron Real Radio, she is the national sales manager for Iserline, and she is also a great lady fisherman and outdoorsman in her own right, too, Wendy Toshihara. Wendy, welcome. Thank you. Good evening, you guys. Hey, it's good here. Where are you now? <laughs> I'm in Southern California, but I'm heading out to San Jose for the Bass Pro Shop uh, grand opening, and then I'm off to Colorado to go on my first elk hunt. Look at you, you're all bad stuff. I can't believe this woman. <laughs> hey, Wendy, I, I know you're also back from an experience over in Gunnersville, and, and hopefully uh, we can uh, talk about that a little bit later on in the show, okay? We sure can. All right. Hey, guys, let's get to our first guest, though. He uh, is the new owner of the Fishhead Spin Company, formerly known as Swarming Hornet. We've had Swarming Hornets here in the shop in Angler's Arsenal for a long time. And, Stan, I know you have some history with Swarming Hornet, but let's introduce our listening audience to him, Mr. Brandon Rickman. Brandon, welcome to the show, sir. Thank you, John. It's uh, great to be on, great to talk to all you guys. Well, it is good talking with you, too. And, you know, let's get right down to the brass tacks. How do, how's a guy that's just uh, really an everyday fisherman get interested in uh, buying a, a fishing company? And, and tell us a little bit about how it came about and what you're doing right now. Absolutely. I uh, grew up fishing with my brother. We fished 
neighborhood lakes and ponds uh, around uh, North Atlanta, Georgia, where I still live. And as I got older into college, I was very competitive, so I started tournament fishing and uh, fished a few of the BFLs. I actually fished the Rayovac this past season. Uh, so it's always been a hobby of mine. It's, it's my, my number one hobby and pastime. Uh, and then from a career perspective, I had started and, and uh, built up and sold a few companies and was looking for my next opportunity and uh, found out that Swarming Hornet might be for sale and myself and two other business partners uh, were fortunate enough to buy the company actually the Friday of the Bassmaster Classic. Wow. And the Classic, as you know, was uh, one on a, a homemade uh, fish head spin. So it was very, very fortunate timing. You know, it, that's how I was introduced to the Soaring Hornet or the, or the underspin or the chin spin. It, it's been called a lot of different things, but back when the Bassmasters Classic, when Rick brought that out to North Carolina, we were doing the radio show live from back there, and I just happened to run into him, and we were talking while Aaron Martins was using a, an underspin type of bait uh, under the bridge there. And we just happened to start talking, and I, he gave me a couple of those baits because they were brand new, not on the market yet. And I had the, the pleasure of bringing those out to Southern California and introducing them to Angler's Marine and some of the other shops out here, including myself. And that went absolutely bats on the, on the uh, West Coast here. The guys started throwing them and catching fish left and right. They're still working. Absolutely. Yeah, we, we appreciate you guys out in, in Southern California using them. We uh, still sell uh, quite a bit of the fish head spin. That's our main product. And, you know, certainly the success of this year's classic on Lake Hartwell, where uh, Casey Ashley was using a homemade version. Bobby Lane, who finished in second, was using a fish head spin, one of our fish head spins. And then I believe Jacob Porovnik, who finished in fifth, was using an underspin. So a lot of press around that. Um, before that, uh, you guys are probably aware, the 2010 and 2011 FLW Tour Championship were both won using our fish head spin, our underspin. So that was Kevin Hawk on Lake Lanier in 2010, and back-to-back the next year, Scott Martin on Lake Wachita in 2011. So the fish head spin's been around for 12 years. It wins you know, lots of tournaments. Dave Lefebvre won Lewis Smith Lake this year, 2015. He won $125,000 using a fish head spin. So continues to win lots of money on tour. Brandon, I think you're going to do great with this because they actually kind of fallen off. The production wasn't coming out uh, uh, well, and, and it kind of fell off. But it wasn't that the, the bait wasn't wanted. It just they couldn't get them. So I think you did a great job picking up the company. And uh, it's going to be one of those baits that – that's going to work for a long, long time, and, and on any lake and every style of fish. I mean, that's just a great bait. Well, thank you. It is. We we're Like I said, we we're really fortunate to get the company. Um, the, the previous owner uh, had done a great job with it, but he really just couldn't keep up with demand. So we were able to come in and buy it, and then since that time, since we bought it in February, we've actually set up our own manufacturing facility. Uh, where we do everything from start to finish. So we manufacture, we, do, we pour the lead, we have paint booths, we do our own assembly, packaging, and shipping all from our facility. So when a customer places an order, whether it be uh, through, a, through your store or online from our website, we usually ship the product within 24 hours. Right. Wow. Yeah. Rick, you know, uh, Brandon, uh, 
we use a little plastic trailer on the back of that uh, that fish head spin. Normally, it's uh, it could be something like a, a teeny fluke, or it could be some type of a, a grub or a Z shad type of thing. Uh, uh, what what do the fishermen out there uh, in the southeast and the east use as a trailer, or do they use a trailer? Yes, they do, um, and, and it usually falls between two. Like you like you mentioned, there's two main baits that people use. Different. Um, companies that manufacture them, but you've got a straight tail, which is similar to the fluke or the tiny fluke. Uh, Netbait makes um, a version called the the twitch uh, that a lot of people use. Or the other option is a paddle tail, which um, can be you know the swimming fluke by Zoom is a popular one. Yamamoto D shad is a real popular one here in the southeast. So similar to to the rest of the country. You know, one of the products. Uh also that you use that uh, I think is an excellent product and the best of its times. You, you know, the scrounger head was originally developed out here on the West Coast, and then a lot of people have kind of taken it over. But uh, uh, Swarming Hornet and now Fish Head Spin Company, they had a product called the Little Dude, which in, in my estimation I think is one of the best scrounger head type products on the market. Yes, we do. Thank you, John. We, um, we, we have the 8-ounce fish head dude all the way up to a three-quarter ounce. So we cover the little dude, which is the smaller version, all the way up to a three-quarter ounce for the guys who are uh, planning to fish it a little deeper, a little slower. But it's got a urethane blade on the front. Our fish head dude, the head of it actually looks like a fish. So it's more realistic looking than the traditional scrounger. Um, ours is, you know, several coats of paint to make it look more realistic. It has 3D holographic eyes. And then it has a keeper on it as well. For anybody out there who's used the scrounger, um, or one of the other versions of the Scrounger, most of them don't have any sort of keeper on it, so your bait continues to slide down. Ours has a keeper on it, so once you put it on there, that, that trailer stays on there. Well, we're like... going to be in contact here after the show. <laughs> That's a, that is a working piece of machinery right there. I'm going to have to have some of that before we start fishing our tournaments in December. You know, uh, Brandon, what I like uh, about that uh, urethane bill on there is that it's stiff enough that it does not fold over back into the hook itself and yet it's short enough that if by any chance you know a fish hits it or it fold does does fold over which I, I it doesn't happen or the fish hits it it doesn't create like a weed guard that lays over the hook it, it'll it's short enough where it, it bends down into the uh, uh, the radius of the hook and you get a good hook set with it yeah, and we did a lot of testing once we bought the company with several different manufacturers to find the right thickness and also the right durometer, the right hardness of that urethane to make sure that, that it would not bend over and also that it wouldn't yellow. It has a UV protector in it so that it doesn't yellow over time, which was another problem that a lot of the, the other scrounger-type manufacturers had. Well, I, do. I wouldn't worry about that. I've never been able to keep one long enough that yellow, so don't, <laughs> don't worry about that. But, you know... Uh, uh, the Fish Head Spin Company, now, you've got some new products that are uh, tearing up the market and that you're pretty proud of. Tell us about them. Yes, we do. So we were, uh, once we um, got the company back on level ground where we could ship products out, we started looking at new product development. And we came out with two products. The first one is called the Stand Up Fish Head Spin, and it's designed to be a weight-forward fish head spin, mainly for those folks who like to fish it on the bottom and really slow. A lot of people fish the fish head spin through the water column or for schooling fish, 
But in, here in the southeast, like Casey actually did in the classic, a lot of people slow reel them across the bottom. So we redesigned the fish head spin with what we call a weight forward head. Most of the weight is in the nose of the head, so it really stands up on the bottom um, as you reel it. So that's done really well. We launched it about a month ago, and every retailer um, has picked it up, literally every single retailer that we've talked to. So that's doing really well. The other one is uh, the V-Lock swim bait head. And this was designed by Elite Series Pro Greg Vincent. And Greg, you know, obviously the swim bait craze is huge right now. And Greg got tired of always having to super glue the head, the, uh, the hollow body swim bait onto the swim bait head. Uh, all the brands that are out there have different types of keepers on there, but he got tired of super gluing it. So he designed this and brought it to us. He's on our pro staff. And we manufacture the V-Lock, V for the way that it, the, the keeper is shaped but also for Vincent, his last name. And it just started hitting stores within the last three weeks, and it's selling like crazy. That It's a patent-pending keeper. And what happens, once you push that head up on there, that V grabs into the meat of the swim bait, and it will not come off. You can literally put it on the swim bait head, and you will tear the swim bait in half before it will come off of the V-Lock keeper. So you don't need super glue anymore. You get a lot more casts. You don't have to stop and keep pushing the swim bait back up. Catch more fish on it because you're you're not having to throw it away and get more swim baits out. So it's it's a great product. Greg did a great job designing it. And again, you know, it's it's being carried in, in all of the all the retailers that we sell to. This is some pretty exciting stuff. Oh. Hey, Stan, you haven't heard the uh, release of it. Brandon is uh, a few weeks away from launching a new product which I think the fishermen out here on the West Coast are going to go crazy for. I know I've got them back-ordered right now. And, and Brandon, tell us about uh, this uh, new upcoming product of yours. Yeah, this is it's a handmade swim bait. Uh, it's a six-inch long, one-ounce, slow-sinking swim bait. Uh, Rick Steckelberg, the previous owner of Swarming Hornet, designed it and built it. He's very creative, very skilled. And we sold it locally for the last few years, and we couldn't keep them on the shelf. This year, I literally could not keep them on the shelf. As John said, uh, he's had several on back order. So we have ramped up production on that. We're literally a week to 10 days away from starting to ship, and it is a uh, three-piece jointed swim bait that slow sinks, like I said. It's a high-end. Every one of them is handmade. Every one of them is hand-tested before they come out uh, to make sure it swims properly and it sinks at the right rate. It's a $65 swim bait, and if you buy one and if you throw it, you better hang on. <laughs> <laughs> and what are you going to call that uh, beast, uh, uh, Brandon? It's, a, it's called a bite-sized herring swim bait, but it also comes in um, pearl and American shad as well, so it's not just for herring lake. Uh, you can use it anywhere around the country. Wow. Well, you know, that's a great lineup of products. Uh, we've been sold here on uh, the uh, the fish head spin product, yours in particular, for a long time. We've caught a lot of fish uh, with it. I'm happy to hear about the new products because, you know, we've used them for breaking fish and busters. Uh, we've used them also in the saltwater uh, bay fishing for our spotted bay bass because uh, you make those uh, products in heavier weights. But now you're coming up with some new products that I know are going to be really interesting for the fishermen out here on the West Coast. You know, no dealer can handle all your products. We're trying to do it right now, and uh, the number of pegs I have for you is expanding considerably. But if people want to view 
the new products that the Fish Head Spin Company is uh, introducing or has available on the market. How's the best way to go about doing that? The best way to see the products is uh, on our website, which is fishheadspin.com. You'll see all of the products on there. You'll also see our apparel. We just uh, launched a co-branded line with Hook. So we've got the Hook shirts with the Fish Head logo on them that will be up on the site in just a few weeks. And then you can also find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Fish Head Spin. Well, Brandon Rickman, new owner of the Fish Head Spin Company, formerly known as Swarming Hornet. Great products, especially out here in the West and throughout the United States. We appreciate you taking some of your Sunday to be with us and tell us more about the company and the products. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. It's great talking to you, and uh, good fishing. Oh, Brandon, okay. for one, I'm going to be in contact with you here in the near future. <laughs> that, that sounds great. John has my contact. This is a must. So feel free to reach out. And we look forward to seeing that new swim bay. That's going to be dynamite out here, especially in a one-ounce type of version that you don't need any special rods and reels to fish it. You can fish it with a medium heavy, a heavy action, and uh, that's going to be killer out here, uh, Brandon. We look forward to seeing uh, uh, the first ones as they come off the production line. That'll be great. Maybe I can hand deliver it to you, and you can take me out and put me on some monster bass out there uh, in California. You, you got to deal with it, uh, and we'll... Uh, We'll make sure we get that done. Hopefully, uh, we're going to get some water on our lakes out here so that we can uh, have somewhere to take you out fishing. <laughs> that sounds great. All right. Brandon Rickman, he is the new owner of the Fish Head Spin Company. Hey, Wendy Toshar is with us tonight. So Stan Vandenberg. Our special in-studio guest is Wayne Cotto. He is the executive director for the uh, Coastal Conservation Association of California. We'll be speaking with Wayne throughout the night. You're listening to Rod and Reel Radio on AM540 at rodandreelradio.com. Stay tuned. More to come after these messages. can count on El Cajon Ford, as so many Southern Californians have for years. El Cajon Ford has the cars and trucks you can count on, like the all-new Fusion and Escape, Edge, Explorers, and more. And now, Fiestas with 38 MPG and Focus with 40 miles per gallon highway, plus C-Max Energy with up to 42 highway EPA estimates. El Cajon Ford has them now. Shop online at ElCajonFord.com. Choose from hundreds of your favorite F-Series trucks, too. El Cajon Ford knows trucks, no matter what you're hauling or towing, for a great weekend of fishing or for some fun in the desert. Now get special savings on every F-Series truck in stock, 150s, 250s, 350s, at El Cajon Ford. We have commercial trucks, too, including the all-new Transit Connect, finally a commercial van with great mileage, helping your business get moving again. El Cajon Ford, worth the short drive from anywhere in Southern California, Broadway and East Main in El Cajon, or online anytime, anywhere at ElCajonFord.com. Gamakatsu hooks are made from high-grade carbon steel specially heat treated to make them light and extra strong but not brittle. The Gamakatsu sharpening process is the most modern in the world and results in a perfectly conical point that is unequaled in sharpness. Gamakatsu offers a huge variety of hooks for all types of fishing, drop shot, extra wide gap, worm hooks, finesse wide gap, and a lot more. Gamakatsu has a hook for whatever style of fishing you want to do. Don't waste your time on a cheap hook. Ask for Gamakatsu hooks at your favorite tackle store now. 
H&M Landing is the most diversified sport fishing company on the West Coast. Serving the angling community since 1935, H&M Landing's name recognition and reputation for customer service is the best in the business. The H&M fleet provides the widest range of trip options and boasts the coast's largest open party fleet. For ocean fishing any time of the year, H&M Landing should be your choice for nearshore and offshore fishing. H&M is San Diego's most experienced sport fishing company, offering the best in half-day, three-quarter day, full, and multi-day trips, and a complete schedule of long-range adventures. Call today, H&M Landing, 619-222-1144, or visit their website at www.hmlanding.com for updated schedules and secure online booking. H&M Landing, the experienced angler's first choice in local and multi-day fishing since 1935. That's H&M Landing at 619-222-1144 or hmlanding.com. 2015 and 16, Quantum Fishing's gone and done it again for you with a brand new redesigned Smoke PT Reel Series. Everything from your spinning reels all the way to your bait casters, the PTA design has a new PTXA frame, lighter, stronger, bone-crushing drag, Quantum Fishing. We are performance-tuned. Check them out at Angler's Arsenal in La Mesa or anglersarsenal.com or give us a call at 619-466-8355. This segment of Ron Real Radio is brought to you by the makers of the original balloon fishing clip system, Balloon Fisher King. Now you can fish the precise bait depth desired with these easy-to-use clips and 100% biodegradable natural latex balloons. All you do is clip, inflate, bait, and fish. Look for Balloon Fisher King clips and balloons at your local tackle dealers or go to balloonfisherking.com for further information. It's a big deal, you know. I've always wanted to be on Rod and Reel Radio Line. <laughs> <laughs> I won the Bassmaster Classic. I did a, a McDonald's commercial, but now I know I've made it. I fulfilled my dream. <laughs> that is just absolutely awesome. And we do want to welcome you back to our Rod and Reel Radio. Stan and Wendy are with me tonight. Also, our special in-studio guest is Wayne Koto, he is the Coastal Conservation Association Executive Director for California. He's going to be on and off with us as uh, we get through the night. And, uh, but it's time for What the Heck is Phil Thinking? And it's brought to you by the voice and host of PFO Radio, Mr. Phil Friedman. Phil, how are you doing tonight, sir? John, I am doing great. And Wendy and Stan and Wayne, it's great to be with all of you and, of course, all the great folks out there listening. Wayne, why don't you say hello to Phil, because I know you guys have been longtime friends, and hopefully, uh, you know, we'll be all working together with the uh, uh, the Coastal Conservation Association here real soon. Hey, Phil. Wayne, always good to hear your voice, my friend. Miss seeing you, and we got to get together really, really soon. Yes, sir. Hey, uh, you know, is it my imagination, or, uh, you know, I know the weather's been a little sloppy out there. Did... Uh, a lot of these fish go on hiatus, uh, Phil, or have you been able to dig up the scoop on just exactly where they are and what's happened to them? No doubt, John. Fishing is definitely way more hit and miss and a lot more miss going on. But, you know, if you look around, you can still find some really outstanding stuff. In fact, you know, who would have thought that the afternoon half-day boat out of Seaforth today would go out, and there's been some yellows up there around La Jolla, but he just called in 172 Barracuda. And what an odd time to get the best score of Barracuda in San Diego for the year to have that happen as we're moving up on November. And God knows if this is a, a flash in the pan or just another surprise. But 
There's all kinds of crazy stuff. You're right, John. You know, offshore, guys are still finding some of that smaller grade yellowfin tuna, and then they are going out and finding some of the bigger grade, but it's definitely been more hit and miss. Some guys missing entirely. Boats like the Pacific Queen with a nice hit, 167 yellowfin tuna, eight yellows. But you're right, that has been more hit and miss down in that neck of the woods. And same thing in the L.A. Orange County offshore area. The Tornado had a, a dozen yellowfin tuna today, a bluefin tuna, and a couple of garages. The Thunderbird with some skipjack and yellowtail, uh, some small yellows mostly on board the Thunderbird, and a little bit of calico bass. But things just seem to be a little bit off in that neck of the woods. i got to tell you, Joaquin Espinosa, who does the Spanish radio show Aventuras al Aire Libre with me every weekend on AM 690 and, of course, contributes to PFO also, went down to the Mission Bay Jetty this weekend with his father, Joaquin, and he was throwing a lucky craft lure. And, man, what a beautiful seven-pound calico that he caught and released. Nice. And wow. He's going to have a video up really, really soon, but just a beautiful fish fishing off the jetty. I mean, that's a special fish if you're out private boating, but it becomes even more special, John, as you know, fishing from a jetty or fishing from the beach or something like that. It just makes it even that much more special. So there's some good stuff going on. Other exceptional private boat and, and uh, personal catches, a guy by the name of Geraldo Yama fishing on the Newport Beach Pool with a nice striper. Ashton Smith just called me. He called me this morning and asked for some advice. Believe me, I wouldn't be telling this story if it didn't work out like this. But he called me and asked me where to go fishing. And I gave him some spots up there on the Palos Verdes Peninsula area because it has been slow on the 105 and the 150. And out by the rigs, it just seems to have slowed down. And he just called me. He said they had well over 75 fish up there. Mostly short stuff, you know, I mean, a lot of calico bass, a bunch of short white sea bass, some yellowtail up there, but they just said that it never stopped biting. It was constant action, whether it was smaller or a little bit bigger, they had the time of their lives up there in that neck of the woods. And those wahoo have shown up again outside the rigs here, John. We're seeing more and more of that again. Several anglers got a hit on those who's again, so that really looks to be coming together, and man, down your way there was Wahoo, up this way there's still Wahoo. The water remains very, very warm. And while we're having this little bit of a lull now, I can't help but think things will bounce back. Up in the Santa Monica Bay, Danny Erickson on the new Del Mar. Fifteen guys yesterday, 30 big yellowtail out in the deeper water, fishing a dropper loop like you would at Guadalupe Island or fishing the Yo-Yo Island. Really exceptional fishing there. Uh, up in the Channel Islands, the Mirage with 48 big yellows and a yellowfin tuna. Aloha Spirit with all kinds of lingcod today and giant whitefish. And finally, I was up there at Santa Cruz yesterday, John, and I went up to watch Patrick uh, play rugby. It was a little disappointing, Stan. Patrick Uh-oh. did not he did not break uh, any bones this time. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he, let me he just wasn't playing hard enough, Phil. <laughs> <laughs> I was right there. I, I set up... Uh, my wife, Ruth, and I set up right next to the medical table. We figured we'd be close to Patrick. <laughs> you know, i got to give the guys credit. The, the, the fishery, you know, has just gotten better and better. You know, the, the stuff that's coming in and, and moving around here gives us opportunities for a lot of different things. But Wendy missed her, her shot because I heard there was a Wahoo caught in the 805 area code. Uh, somebody I'd heard on a, was a 25-foot Parker got one someplace around Anna Kappa or the other side, uh, this last week it was 93 pounds. So that big, wow. there's some water running around there. 
the guy was trolling actually for marlin and just happened to stick. The, he thought it was a blue marlin coming across the wake to eat it, and it ended up being just a big wahoo. So we've had them now. We're, we're in the 805 area code. The guys around rigs. I know Evan uh, Salvi is the uh, second ticket for my buddy Mike Arujo, and he's got his own little six-pack charter he started, but he's been running around the rigs, and I know he's got four out there. So that just the wahoo fishery alone has been pretty spectacular. Just the fact that it's here, because this is, in my lifetime, I don't remember anything like this. So um, it, it, it's just a pretty special year. Absolutely, no doubt. There were, there were three guys standing in front of me at the rugby game, and all of a sudden I heard them start to talk fishing, and you could hear that they were knowledgeable guys, and they were talking about excellent bluefin tuna fishing seven miles out from Santa Cruz that they were into the day before. So I went over and chatted with them, and they've had just phenomenal fishing all right off the University of Santa Cruz we were talking about. So, so right, I mean. And then you get, like, this wild card with this barracuda get, getting thrown in there, and who knows? I, I just think we're still looking at <laughs> phenomenal fishing. We've missed. You're right, John. It has dropped off, no doubt about that. But I think it's a little bit of a lull, and who knows? You know, here we are on a full moon now. There's some sea bass starting to be caught. It's just surprise after surprise after surprise. I think every time we have one of these big hurricane systems that pulls, uh, it, it moves water around and it pulls the fish in different uh, areas. I mean, we just had the largest hurricane ever recorded in history, Atlantic or Pacific, that turned into fortunately a rainstorm that washed into Mexico. But having moving that much water around, you're talking about a, a thousand miles in any one direction had it was influenced by that that big hurricane, and that changes up the fishing. Every time we've had one come around even close or, or swing to Hawaii, it's changed up the fishing until it kind of dissipated. So I think we're just waiting to see this comeback. Um, probably this week we'll see a change back, and we'll see maybe a little bit of the, the what we would call normal, what we've seen, uh, fishing, and we'll just have to wait and see. But to having the Barracuda come in and have something new to play with, well, you know, it's all good. You know, uh, Phil, uh, you gave a report and you mentioned it a little bit. You know, obviously it's very glamorous to go after wahoo and yellowfin and yellowtail and, you know, the barracuda. But right now, for the boats going out, the half-day boats or the three-quarter-day boats that don't target yellowfin or yellowtail anymore, they're going out bottom fishing, and that bottom fishing is as good as any time it can be during the course of the year. Yeah, you're right. I mean, it has been phenomenal. And add to that, you know, the mix of fish. You look at uh, what went on today down there on the three-quarter day boat, San Diego, for example. A lot of bonita, a good mix of fish. Like you're talking, the rockfish bite was excellent. Channel Islands, big old lings and big whitefish on the Aloha Spirit today. You're so right about that. And, and the other day, the victory, and I haven't talked to them yet. I miss talking to them, but I will here in a second. But the other day, they were out by the rigs, and they said, you know what, let's Let's move off the rigs because what we're metering here looks kind of like uh, might be sand bass. So they dropped down with a dropper loop set up and had really excellent big sand bass coming on. And, you know, all of that stuff, John, has been ignored this year. Everybody's just put that on the back burner. And now that we've had this little bit of lull, they're starting to find that there's really some excellent fishing for more typical type three-quarter and half-day fishing. You know, we don't want to discount, you know, the uh, off our La Jolla area out here. And, Wayne, I don't know if you've had a chance to fish out there at all. 
it has been absolutely teeming with life. We've seen videos that come off here of just acres and acres of, of bait rippling the water. We know there's been a, a lot of yellowtail out there, a lot of white sea bass. Obviously, it sounds like the barracuda have started hitting, but, boy, La Jolla, that whole area, you know, obviously off from the MLPA area, has just come alive with uh, with fishing. Yeah, I agree. I'll tell you, there's a couple of things that I think are, are happening. One, that hurricane that went up the coast didn't just blow. It dumped so much water, fresh water into the water, that brackish water is going to push the fish out of that area. Two, we got that warm water finger that came up and pushed the bait up here, and everything's coming up. I mean, if you look at it, we've got Bonita from Ventura Channel Islands all the way down to San Diego right now. It's almost like springtime fishing, you know, all over again. The rock fishing and the rock fishing, that's going to be going off because we never touched the rock fishing all last season because we were all doing yellowtail and tuna fishing all right. winter. We never went rock fishing. So the fishery is primed right now. Oh, uh, it's going to be great. And then, you know, Stan, you were talking about tropical storms. There was a tropical storm that was heading out uh, to uh, Hawaii, and then all of a sudden it made a right turn. It's coming west. It's uh, oh, about 1,000 miles to the east of Hawaii. So we'll be getting some of the surge and push from that. I don't think we'll be seeing any weather from that. We might be seeing some of the surge, though. And another push from a tropical storm that normally would just keep on going to the uh, northwest and all of a sudden made a right turn. It's coming east. Right. So unusual weather for sure, uh, Phil. Well, oh, no normally, you know, this, the end of hurricane season uh, used to be October 1st. Now everything's moved to November 1st, um, and we'll have to wait and see <laughs> if they call it at November this one. This is unique. i got to tell you, it's been wild watching the weather coming up. All the long range guys, obviously, we're looking at that stuff as it comes up uh, the Mexican coastline there and, and hopefully turns west and, and heads for uh, Hawaii, but this last big one just came straight across, I mean, straight east and ran right straight into Mexico. So there's been a push of whatever it is that's pushing east, and apparently whatever that one was that was out there, I think was, was this one was Patricia. Um, yeah. I, whatever the one was, I think it was uh, an O word, <laughs> was going the other way toward Hawaii. This is pretty interesting that it turned right again. You know, uh, guys, I don't know if you had a chance to uh, see any of Gary Graham's stuff, but he posted a picture of the boats taking off for the Black and Blue Tournament out of uh, Cabo San Lucas. They were headed north. But he was showing the swells in the water with the ruggedness of the point in the background. And i got to tell you, that, that tournament they fished on, I know uh, we'll have some results next week of that tournament. But, boy, those guys probably got bounced around a little bit down there off the uh, uh, off the Cabo San Lucas area. Uh, Phil, did you get any reports about what was happening down there? I did. I was talking to my buddy Sean Morgan, who was in that, and he said it was a little bit bumpy. And it sounded like fishing was a little bit slower during the black and blue, not a ton of blue marlin. I think this is one year where those guys probably would have wanted to be fishing about a 1,000 miles north of where they were. <laughs> that is to say. You know, you know, Phil, and I saw one report of one of the fishermen. They, uh, uh, I think they were up uh, out of uh, uh, Santa Monica or somewhere in the L.A. area. They had brought in a marlin that they described as a black marlin, not a blue marlin. So 
if indeed a black marlin came up, man, it's indicative of some really warm water and maybe us having uh, some, as Wayne said, springtime fishing here, just going all the way into the spring of 2016. Well, that's the case. All those guys that are fishing the black and blue were wishing they were up here because yeah. as of Friday, they did not have a keeper fish over 300 pounds. Right. Wendy, yes? Yeah, you know, um, we, we talked about earlier um, in one of the radio shows that We've caught every species now except for spearfish. And I saw Tony Sandoval, who used to own the Martiosa, I saw a photo of him on Facebook with two spearfish. Phil, do you know where he caught those? Uh, I don't, Wendy, but I've heard of probably yeah. six short-milled spearfish. Yeah, I've heard of a bunch of spearfish. We haven't heard of black marlin yet, though. That's a new one. Yeah, oh, no. There's been some black marlin. There's, uh, well, there was one in Ensenada during their tournament stand, which is pretty close. And I believe there was one down there in San Diego. I'd have to go back on my records, but I'm pretty sure we've had black marlin also. Wow. Oh, I know which one we didn't have. It's the sailfish we don't have. There you go. We don't have one of those yet. Yeah, we don't have the sailfish. And there doesn't seem to be abundance of striped marlin, too. What what have happened to those fish? Yeah, they just don't seem to be around. Either that... Maybe, again, not as glamorous to report about as the blue and the black marlin. No, they've been around. The guys are catching them out there outside of the FBI and on the other side out there. They've been catching a lot of them. Wow. Well, needless to say, the season of 2014 continues. It's going to be great fishing, and I think once uh, some of this weather dies down and it gets uh, a little calmer down there, you're not only going to be seeing great fishing off La Jolla all up and down the coast. I mean... You know, as you were saying, Phil, as far north as Santa Cruz, man, that's incredible. Really crazy stuff. Another note that I wanted to drop on you was the Southern Cal earlier this week. Half-day boat out of Pierpoint. Timmy Rand from Long Beach was on there. He said no yellows under 25, and they had them to 43 pounds. Oh, they, could, they could not <laughs> stop them on 40-pound mono. You'd feel the rub right away. The fish would have you on the oil rig. It was really, really tremendous fishing out there. So, there's still a lot of great fishing to go. I'm convinced of that. You know, no, Long Beach is a new seed road. <laughs> <laughs> hey, wait, uh, you had a, a, a text while, while we come in. One of the boats had, it sounded like they had limits of yellow fin. Which boat was that? The new low had 154 for, what, 19 anglers, I think? Yeah. So, On an overnight? You know, so it's still happening out there. So, uh, you know, don't wait until the counts start getting escalated there at the boat dock. I mean, go fishing when you can go fishing. And I think right now is probably as good a time as anything uh, as any to cut yourself a deal to go out fishing because the crowds are down, the boats still want to go out, and the weather is great. Good time to go fishing. I mean, just look at what happened to the few boats that were slated to go to Guadalupe. They were, there were five boats of, or five trips available, and they were, they were filled in five days. Oh, and it's wide open there on on the tuna from uh, sixty to one hundred and twenty pounds. Right. Stuff. Well, Phil, you know we just really scratched the surface on what's happening, and I know you report on so much more. People want to keep abreast of what's happening with Phil Friedman, Phil Friedman Outdoors. You know the Spanish speaking uh, uh, program. How's the best way to go about doing it? Thank you, John. People can catch us on Facebook, of course, at PFO. Or in Spanish, Aventuras al Aire Libre. They can catch our Spanish show on the weekend on Friday evenings at 9, Sunday mornings at 6 on AM 690. And then that goes to podcast 
Also, it's available there on Aventura, Saladay Libre on Facebook, and all the social media, uh, Twitter, Google+, all of that stuff, Instagram. We are there for you, of course, here on AM540. And then two websites, www.pfomedia.com, www.aventurasaladelibre.com, so we can keep everybody informed. And Stan mentioned Hurricane Patricia. I just wanted to add, thank God, thank the Lord above, there was no fatalities in Mexico. I was really worried about that, and I'm glad we dodged the bullet there. Amen there. It turned into a 30-mile-an-hour rainstorm. A lot of rain. Absolutely incredible. But now the people in uh, the Houston area and uh, along the east coast of Texas going into Louisiana, they're going to be seeing the brunt of it. So let's hope all are safe in light of that weather coming through there. Phil, thanks for being with us. We look forward to not only speaking to you during the course of the week, but next Sunday night live on Rod and Reel Radio. John, Wendy, Stan, Wayne, and everybody out there. Have a great finish to your Sunday. Thanks a lot, John. All right. Phil Friedman, the voice of Phil Friedman Outdoors. Hey, we're going to take a break right now. We'll all be back. Captain James Nelson, the fish icon, is going to be joining us with a Southern California inshore report. But stay tuned. We'll be back right after these messages. Arsenal is the serious angler's first choice for hand-poured plastics, McCoy line, Spro products, Gamakatsu hooks, G. Loomis fishing rods, Shimano products, Ovid reels, and just about anything you hear advertised on Rod and Reel Radio. Go to anglersarsenal.com and visit our online tackle store. See the huge selection of western plastics hand-poured baits, all at anglersarsenal.com. Angler's Arsenal tackle store is conveniently located in La Mesa, just off Interstate 8. Give us a call at 1-800-428-8730. If you're serious about your fishing, choosing the right tackle is one of the most important decisions you'll ever make. Iserline makes premium fishing lines including monofilament, Dacron, Spectra, fluorocarbon, battle-tested harnesses, and top angler-tested Iserline tools and accessories. Iserline premium fishing products are created to provide you with the ultimate in strength, dependability, durability, high abrasion resistance, low stretch, and high quality. All Iserline products are 100% guaranteed against manufacturing defects. You just can't buy better value. Iserline will replace or repair at their option. No questions asked if you're not pleased with any of their products. Catch what you've been missing. Quality guaranteed. Every serious angler knows that a quality hook is an important part of their arsenal. Gamakatsu hooks are made from high-grade carbon steel, specially heat-treated to make them light and extra strong but not brittle. Gamakatsu ring hooks are made with a one-piece ring, no welds, no weak spots, a very smooth-moving ring. Gamakatsu offers a huge variety of hooks for all types of fishing. Live bait hooks, both light and heavy-duty, to four extra strong. Circle hooks, tuna hooks, ring hooks, tuna doubles, and many more. Don't waste your next fishing trip on our cheap hook. Get Gamakatsu hooks at your favorite tackle store now. My Angler H2O. I will scent my lure with pride. And hope my boss doesn't notice the tan. I will outmaneuver drought-exposed sunken boats and outlast the hard-fighting largemouth bass. I will save water at home for better fishing out here and always, always wear my life jacket. What's your H2O? Tell us at BoatCalifornia.com. The California State Parks Division of Boating and Waterways reminds you to wear it, California. This portion of Rod and Reel Radio is brought to you by the Rockley's Fish Release System. Now you can quickly and easily release fish suffering from barotrauma back to the depths they were caught. Look or ask for the Rockley's at your local fishing tackle dealer. 
in Southern California, we do want to welcome you back to Rod Real Radio. Stan and Wendy are with me tonight, also live here at the Palatial Anglers Arsenal Studios in La Mesa. We got Wayne Cotto, he's with us. We're going to be talking a little bit uh, about what he's been doing as the executive director for the uh, the Coastal Conservation uh, Association of California. We'll be getting into that, but he's adding his two cents worth in as an expert fisherman in his own right. And, hey, next, let's talk to Captain James Nelson, the fish icon. We kind of talked a little bit about it with Phil with some of the inshore fishing on the barracuda that were out there. But let's see if we can get a handle on exactly what's happening out there with Captain James. James, how's it going for you, sir? Going great, Don. How about yourself? All right. Hey, we're, we're talking about uh, one of the boats out of Seaforth Landing came in with just a record number of barracuda. I, I think it was off that very productive uh, Point Loma area where I know I've, I've gone out fishing with you, and I've seen some of the pictures you've had out this week, and it looks like it's been a pretty good week for you. Tell us about it. Well, it, you know, John, it has. It's been a real good uh, weekend of variety. I basically worked all three days straight, and all three days were something different, and all three days still managed to put some good fish in the boat. It was just it was just good fun to be had by all. It was really neat. Well, what did you find uh, to be most productive? Tell us about some of the areas that you went to over the, the course of the past week, Jim. Well, if you're talking about sheer numbers, you couldn't beat the bay today, John, especially if you weren't picky about what you caught. There was plenty of uh, fish, everything from mackerel to bass to halibut, uh, you know, various sand sharks and rays. They were all biting, uh, and it was all good. As far as... Uh, some imp- impressive pitches. Well, actually, today in the bay was good on that, too. I had a kid catch both a 12-pound halibut and then later on 11-pound halibut. Both nice. So, yeah, so you, you can't beat that. Um, La Jolla has been really good. We had really good trip out of La Jolla and then uh, pulled off a little bit from there on a deep rock pile that I like. And I'll tell you, John, right now those rockfish are so desperate for attention. <laughs> we've been we've been talking about that, yeah. And you know, uh, Wayne is sitting here. He just pulled up your Facebook page, and you've got a great picture of that young man with those halibut. Man, I I wouldn't mind to be. I wouldn't mind standing in his shoes. Yeah, you know, <laughs> it was pretty fun. And, and the amazing thing about that is they were just surprise catches, eight pound tests, you know, and. Uh, what can you say? It's just it's just a fun thing. Again, I, I think the uh, the halibut have been getting ignored too. I think our bay in general uh, just not not a lot of fishing boats out there, and so that was that's always fun. You know, anytime you can avoid a little crowd on that. Now you know, my opinion when we're in the kelp beds is a little different story when it comes to crowds. I don't mind a few boats to share the sea lines with. But when it comes to other spots, when you get on an offshore reef and you got it to yourself and the sheep's head are just dancing up on the line, you know, that that's cool. But around the kelp beds, you know, uh, there's a lot of sea lions out there. And, boy, you're talking about Mac, uh, the barracuda. I, I think they, they caught their fair share of barracuda this weekend, too. You know, we have, <laughs> we have Wayne Cotto uh, uh, with us, and he was uh, uh, basically uh, saying, you know, the uh, – the rockfish resource that we have has has really been underutilized uh, because everyone's going out for the more glamorous pelagics and everything else like that. And it looks like some of the bottom fishing that you've been doing for your customers has been paying off too. 
Yeah, absolutely. And that and again, you know, I I tailor to what my customers want to do and you know, if they so far I haven't had anybody say let's go troll for twelve hours for maybe getting a Wahoo to bite. So that's <laughs> been kind of fun. Oh come on. But uh, <laughs> you know, so it, it it really helps me out when, when a lot of them just say, Hey, whatever's gonna bite, we'll go catch and you know, when we can get some yellowtail for a little bit when they're happening, the bonita happening a little bit and barracuda whatever that's fine and then when that slows down then we say hey how about we drop down on a reef and see what we could pull up and when i get customers want to do that boy it's just it's a blast right now you know i don't think that you can't you can't go wrong with what you're doing there you know let's just go out and see what we can catch because we'll go here and let's see if we can catch you know barracuda or bonita or that skipjack that's out there and then uh, like, let's go back over here and drop down on the reef and see if we can catch a sand bass or a calico bass and then drag something across the mud. <laughs> Next thing you know, you've got a halibut going. Uh, you know, for the average guy, especially a lot of your clientele, they're coming from other places, that's a heck of a day of fishing. Wow. It, it is, Dan, and, we, and we're blessed with such a nice resource here that why not? You know, and if you want to go out and troll around, you know, those big marauders for some wahoo, right now. It's a great time to do that, and that's, I think I'm seeing that with a lot of my friends that know that they can go catch, you know, 50 uh, calico in, in a few hours, but know that it's fun when you can mix it up and go try something different that we don't always get to do, so why not? Well, no, I'm with you there, buddy. I think a lot of the clientele that comes down there, a lot of people go down there. They're staying in the local hotels. But they'd like to go out, but they don't want to go out in the big boat with a lot of people, just go out with the family or just two or three people and go play and go play and have that kind of a day where you're going to be pulling and having some fun. It's just nothing but good. I'm all in. Hey, Jim, but can you share with us uh, that young man that is on your Facebook uh, page, uh, James Nelson, uh, uh, can you share with us how he caught those fish? Those are two of the nicest halibut I've seen paired up by one individual in a long time. <laughs> well, you know, you're going to laugh. It's just good old-fashioned anchovy. <laughs> you know, we just, we, and dead, frozen, put on a piece of anchovy, dropped it down on a slider rig, a quarter-ounce weight. Uh, I had the boat, both times I had them on the simulated anchor feature that I have with my Minn Kota. And, uh, you know, we just sit there on anchor hold and on the eye-lock system and chum up, we're chumming up for sharks and, you know, we get mackerel in the chum line, so we're catching mackerel on mostly on those cut pieces of anchovy and, you drop it down, and that's what he did. Uh, he was catching mackerel and having a good time, and then here comes a bonus catch. So, hey, we'll take wow. it. Wow. Wow, that's cool. <laughs> Captain James, uh, a great report. If we want to find out what your schedule is, uh, uh, check to see availability uh, with the fish icon. How's the best way to go about doing it? Well, you can always reach me on, on the interweb. You can go to uh, thefishicon.com, and there's a link there. You can click to the Facebook page and see what John's talking about. There's a link there. Also, go to the Rod and Reel page, so if you want to catch up on some back reports. Or give me a call, 619-395-0799. Yeah, you can always stop by here at Angler's Arsenal, most any of the other tackle stores here in the San Diego area, and we can... Uh, turn you on to uh, Captain James and get you in contact with him. And, boy, I, I tell you, the nice thing about recommending you, Captain James, people come on back with glowing recommendations. And you probably know that because what percentage of your business is repeat business? 
You know, last month, John, I had 17% repeat. The month before that was 24%, which is, you know, we'll take it. Yeah, so it's great. always nice. Captain James, thanks a lot for being with us. Have a great week. I know we'll be talking to you during the uh, course of the week. I understand you have a little present for me, and we will for sure be talking to you next week. You got it. Absolutely. Always a pleasure. Thanks again for having me, guys. All right. Captain James Nelson, thefishicon.com. Hey, you know, last Sunday night I uh, mistakenly said that uh, Woody Toshihara was on a long-range trip. Well, she was on a long-range trip, but she went east. She did not go out in the ocean like we think of the typical long-range trip. Just came back from a, 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 a trip back east. And, Wendy, can you clue us on, on where you were, what you did, and how it went? I sure can. You know, I was all excited. I have a pro staffer by the name of Betty Stahl and Hunter Ridnauer. They called me up and said, hey, let's go fish the Joe Swindle Big Bass Tournament on Lake Gunnersville. So Betty lives on the lake, and uh, she's actually going to be a guide on the lake. And I said, oh, wow, what perfect time. So we went, I went out there, and I fished, and it was the toughest fishing I have ever seen. They had four big tournaments there before we had our tournament, and even the guides weren't even catching any fish. Oh. But it, it, was, it was really nice. I mean, a lot of frog fishing. Um, I caught the only weighable fish. Uh, for, uh, for our team, and I caught that on a Senko, kind of skipping it along the, the mat, just like a frog, and he just came up and, and, and ate that thing. But it was, it was really neat. It's a neat format. It's a, uh, hour weigh-in. Every hour, there's a weigh-in. You weigh your big fish, and they, uh, uh, for that hour, first place is a thousand bucks, and they pay down, I think, to eight. Wow, that's pretty cool. Yeah, you know, it's pretty neat. Wendy, I, I know you're used to fishing Irvine Lake and a lot of our lakes around here. Uh, how do you compare Gunnersville to Irvine Lake? <laughs> <laughs> There's no comparison, and I haven't fished Irvine probably in two decades. But, um, it, you know, I, I got to fish with Randy Jones, and we fished Lake Sapoga in Florida together. And it's, um, it's shallow. When they talk about catching fish deep, they're talking five to ten feet. Yeah. <laughs> when it gets deep. You know? So, yeah, that's deep. And, uh, you know, so it's pretty different. And mats everywhere. You can't maneuver without going around the mat. You can't really go through it. Although Betty Stahl, her nephew, um, just invented this thing that goes on your trolling motor, and it chops up all the weeds. Whoa. It worked pretty well. Yeah. So um, that was really neat. But um, the fishing was so tough that Gerald Swindle decided next year for 2016, the tournament will be in April. Oh, wow, that sounds a good. good idea. You know, you can't give up on Gunnersville because, uh, as you well know, uh, Aaron Martins, who used to fish out here, he uh, is back there in Leeds. But I think right now, if you ask Aaron, probably his single most favorite lake to fish it's probably Gunnersville, and that's because of the, the big bags of fish that that lake produces. So, you know, maybe not, not as good a fall bite as you would like to see, but that lake constantly produces big fish, and you got so much water to fish there. Man, uh, you know, what a treat compared you know, to so, some of the lakes we have here. Yeah, Wendy. It's amazing, and it's really neat because I kept, I was just in awe going down the water. I mean, we had a copperhead come at us on the boat. 
I had to hit him with my rod. We had, I mean, there were actual leaves that had fallen on the water, and there were trees, and because <laughs> you know we don't have any of that. So it was really beautiful. I loved it. I want to go back. You know, and I think the best collard greens and catfish that I've ever had in anywhere in the United States has to be right there in Gunnersville. It's uh, great food there, too. Well, that's where oh, yeah, a all lot of that stuff great. came from in the first place, and they know how to cook it down there. <laughs> they certainly do. <laughs> hey, guys, let's take a break right now because we want to hear from the special guests that we have live from us and find out just exactly what has been happening. We've got... Uh, Executive uh, Director for the uh, Coastal Conservation Association of California, Wayne uh, Kotow, with us. And we're going to want to find up, you know, we had him on just as he took on the, the leadership of the organization here in California, find out some of the things he's, he's found out, what the association is doing, the programs they're behind. We were talking about an open meeting coming up in November, all kinds of things to talk about with Wayne but stay tuned. We've got to take a break right now. Wayne, Wendy, Stan, and myself, we'll be back right after these messages. You can count on El Cajon Ford, as so many Southern Californians have for years. El Cajon Ford has the cars and trucks you can count on, like the all-new Fusion and Escape, Edge, Explorers, and more. And now, Fiestas with 38 MPG and Focus with 40 miles per gallon highway, plus C-Max Energy with up to 42 highway EPA estimates. El Cajon Ford has them now. Shop online at ElCajonFord.com. Choose from hundreds of your favorite F-Series trucks, too. El Cajon Ford knows trucks, no matter what you're hauling or towing, for a great weekend of fishing or for some fun in the desert. Now get special savings on every F-Series truck in stock, 150s, 250s, 350s, at El Cajon Ford. We have commercial trucks, too, including the all-new Transit Connect. Finally, a commercial van with great mileage, helping your business get moving again. El Cajon Ford, worth the short drive from anywhere in Southern California, Broadway and East Main and El Cajon, or online anytime, anywhere at ElCajonFord.com. H&M Landing is the most diversified sport fishing company on the West Coast. Serving the angling community since 1935, H&M Landing's name recognition and reputation for customer service is the best in the business. The H&M fleet provides the widest range of trip options and boasts the coast's largest open party fleet. For ocean fishing any time of the year, H&M Landing should be your choice for nearshore and offshore fishing. H&M is San Diego's most experienced sport fishing company, offering the best in half-day, three-quarter day, full, and multi-day trips, and a complete schedule of long-range adventures. Call today, H&M Landing, 619-222-1144, or visit their website at www.hmlanding.com for updated schedules and secure online booking. H&M Landing, the experienced angler's first choice in local and multi-day fishing since 1935. That's H&M Landing at 619-222-1144 or hmlanding.com. My Angler H2O. I will never use that fakey fluorescent pink bait or drag my hula popper through the mud. I will outmaneuver drought-exposed stumps, rocks, and submerged station wagons and outsmart the ravenous river otter. I will save water by taking shorter showers for higher lakes, and I will always, always wear my life jacket. What's your H2O? Tell us at BoatCalifornia.com. The California State Parks Division of Boating and Waterways reminds you to wear it, California. Quantum Fishing's got something for everybody. From the smallest angler to the oldest veteran, we can get you out there fishing with the greatest reels on the market today. 
from the all-new for 2016 Icon PT to the Tour Mag to the brand-new redesigned Smoke Reel. We've got something for everyone in your family. Have some fun. Take a kid fishing. They're the future of our sport. Quantum. We are performance tuned. You can get your quantum products at anglersarsenal.com or anglersarsenal in the Mesa at 619-466-8355. Hi, this is BSS record holder Dean Rojas. El Cajon Ford helped me when I got started in my career and let them help you with a new F-Series Ford truck. And remember, nobody beats El Cajon Ford. Southern California, welcome back to the second half of Ron Real Radio. Still plenty of Ron Real Radio to come, so keep on listening. Hey, you know, Stan, Stan and Wendy are with me tonight. My special guest is Wayne uh, Coto, and, and I've got to tell you, as outdoorsmen and anglers, we are, you know, not only interested in going out and catching fish and shooting game and, and doing those things that we love to do in the outdoors, but... As outdoorsmen, we are also very interested in conserving the resource and also conserving or protecting our access to it. And this is one of the reasons why we've gotten behind the Coastal Conservation Association of California. One of our good friends is here tonight. One of the guys that is taking over the executive directorship of the California branch of the Coastal Conservation Association, or more commonly known as the CCA. Mr. Wayne Koto. Wayne, welcome to the show, guy. Thank you. Man, Appreciate being here. You know, when we talked to you a couple of months ago, you were just being thrown into the breach. You were taking on uh, the, the helm of the, the California uh, uh, Division of the Association. Tell us about some of the things that uh, has gone down and that you've learned in the time you've been with them. Wow, we have done. <laughs> Wendy knows because she's on the uh, state board of directors. Yeah, yeah, it's been uh, it's been a track run, uh, track meet so far. We have uh, we have really engaged in what we're going to do. Uh, we have three main goals. Uh, we're trying to keep our fisheries open. We are trying to build and expand on artificial reef projects, and we're trying to increase the fin fish hatchery program. So on those three fronts, we have engaged. We are. Uh, going out to the PFMC meetings and talking about the gillnet issues and the longlining issues. We are uh, engaged on the lead ban issues and the 365 licenses. Uh, when it comes down to expanding the artificial reefs, we partnered with California Ships to Reefs. We've already worked on a project down here in San Diego where we took a boat uh, and uh, cleaned it up and painted it pink. And uh, it's... It, uh, it's uh, in uh, for Susan G. Coming, and there was a signing party for breast cancer survivors uh, two a week ago. Great. And so we took care of that, and then there's another boat lined up right behind it. We're going to be cleaning up, and we're going to probably sink, be sinking both of those early next year. Yeah, where do you think they're going to be uh, put? Uh, do you know? They're going to be put down where the Yukon is. Okay. That's already a permitted site, and we're going to keep expanding on that site. And that's, uh, if I'm not mistaken, just uh, a little bit to the west of um, the Mission Beach area between La Jolla and the, the Mission Beach Channel, I think. And the Yukon is not only uh, become a great fishing area, but also a great diving area, too. That's correct. That is correct. And you can't just take an old ship and just say, okay, guys, we're going to send it down, make an artificial reef out of it. In this day of environmental concerns and everything like that, there's got to be a lot of work that's done before you can send one of those vessels down. There's like 14 agencies you got to go through to get the permitting done alone. You just, there's inspections. There's there's a whole laundry list of things you have to take off or clean up or or have ready before you can sink a boat. 
Wow. So yeah, but then we also have uh, there's like five projects up in LA going too. No kidding. So there's a whole bunch of projects, and we're not const- we're not stopping there. We uh, we're talking to other organizations, uh, whether that's fishery.org, or we're working with our uh, Building Conservation Trust, which is a CCA uh, uh, trust on building uh, artificial reefs across the country that has been very successful uh, down in the south and up the uh, east coast. Um, but on top of that, we're working with uh, Hub SeaWorld and oh. working on the uh, hatchery program. We took over the insurance uh, funding for the hatcheries so that uh, they wouldn't have to worry about that uh, that part of the cost of running the hatcheries. What what do they have to worry about insurance? What uh, what's that <laughs> all about? What what kind of liability do they have there? Really, I mean, there's 14 hatcheries up and down the coastline, and actually, there's a ton of insurance that goes along with that because of the liability of having the pens there and personnel, volunteers, in there sure. working those pens. So we took over that, um, and then we're going to be working with the Hub SeaWorld group to try to get that next species launched, whether that be a yellowtail, a halibut, a bass, or whatever. Um, we're going to be working on trying to get that next species launched because, you know, if you think about what we're trying to do, we keep our fisheries open, we create structure, and then we have a sustainable event by having a, a uh, the hatchery program to replenish the species that we're going to try to pull out. No different than what we have with the trout, you know, hatcheries in, the, in California. But this will be the coastline. So the white sea bass program has been very successful in that. Um, so if we can get the next species launched, that'll help, you know, all of us local anglers along the coastline. I know this is a blind question to you, but Hub Sea World, do you have any idea of how many white sea bass uh, since uh, their inception that they have released in in Back into the ocean. I actually don't know the total number. They just released. Actually, um, go ahead. I actually went to their one millionth release, and that was last year. So they're well over a million. Right, and Marina Del Rey just released some, and I think Channel Islands released their pens too, and they're getting a re- uh, restock. And I think every time they release, it's you know a few thousand. Yeah, because uh, between the you know the the time they're hatched and the time they're released. Uh, how much time elapses that they actually have to babysit these hatchlings? It's, it's quite a bit. It's like uh, every year, I think, is what they, they're cycling them on, and they've got, they got to grow to like 8 to 10 inches before yeah. they're releasing them. So, but, you know, but then that, when they go into the pens, uh, I believe, because like when they go into the pen over here in Huntington Beach, um, they only have them for two or three months, and then they release them. Okay. And, and you're saying now that they're also getting into other species. So we think about... You know, the Hubs project is being white sea bass, but now they're, they're looking at taking on other projects, and obviously, you know, this is extra cost because it means uh, extra facilities, uh, uh, extra equipment, extra manning, all this other stuff. Going through the government to try to get the species released and permitted and all that kind of stuff. It's, it's, it's an endeavor, but at least they have the template because they have the white sea bass program that has proven that it, it is successful and doable. Okay, and, and some of the other uh, projects that you've kind of earmarked that, that are important for the fishermen up and down the coast, uh, Wayne, what, uh, what are those projects? Well, we're working on, the, our main thrust right now is actually membership. Uh, we're a grassroots organization, so what we've done is we've launched our L.A. and San Diego chapters. Uh, the board of directors have formed, and they are working on things like membership drives, fundraisers, uh, up in L.A., we have an open meeting that's scheduled on November 11th. It's a Wednesday night. It's going to be held at the Long Beach Rodden Gun Club. 
Uh, doors open at 5. We'll have food and drink available. Uh, come out and uh, come see your, your CCA group. We'll have people there from national, state, and the local chapters. Uh, Pat Murray, actually, the president of the national organization, will be out to give a, an update. Um, and there will be a great raffle, too. Uh, you know, but it's, it's a good time to meet the people and understand. You can ask questions of all of us uh, of what we're doing and why we're doing it. But, you know, to try to keep our fisheries open, our access to those fisheries, keep our replenishment programs, build upon those artificial reefs. I mean, if you think about it, we have 70% of our coastline is hardscape um, and uh, sand. And if we don't do something to help it along, we're just leaving an untapped resource of, a, of uh, helping out Mother Nature to create a better fishery to help the biomass out there for all of us. You know, I'm always getting confused because I, I like to think that uh, everybody that is involved with trying to maintain the environment of the oceans and sea life and everything like that, I mean, they're, they're interested in uh, us being able to catch more fish and, you know, propagate more fish. and uh, uh, But it just doesn't seem like that that's happening. There's a lot of organizations out there that are well-funded that if they could completely, it seems like, cut off any fishing at all in our uh, local waters or offshore waters, boy, they'd be happier than a pig with his feet in the trough to do it. Uh, it's even worse than that. There's certain groups on the far extreme side that would think that we shouldn't do anything in, in the water. We shouldn't touch the water. It's there f to be looked at only. But those are the same people that are saying, okay, we're going to go after the fishermen, the recreational fishermen, the commercial fishermen, the divers, and all of those people. And so what they're doing is those, some of those groups are behind the M MPAs, the MLPAs that came down and shut down our, our fishing areas. But they're the same group that's also getting in a boat and going out and patrolling you and me. So they're kind of hypocritical on the whole thing. I, you know, they're not jumping in a kayak or whatever. But besides that, you know, we're trying to be good stewards of our environment. That's, we are conservationists. Whether it is from the hunting side or the or the fishing side, we're, those two groups really start started conservation way way back. We understand that if we don't take care of our environment, if we don't take care of our our resources, we won't have those available for the future generations. We'd get that, and that's why we're doing what we're doing. We're making sure that we have sustainable events, that we have the fisheries available, that we police. The areas we, we we are behind some of the regulations of recreational fishing or commercial fishing. The whole idea of why we're against gill netting is because all that does is put a wall up in the ocean and well, rape the ocean. I mean, it's just there's nothing else you can say about it. It will catch anything in its way, and then what are you doing? You're hurting the resources overall, and that's not good for anybody. You know, there's. No, there's no reason to be catching the, the turtles or the mammals that are in the water. That's why we're against the gill netting issue. If they can create a very good method for fishing that isn't destructive to the resources, we're behind it. You know, and I, I thought gill netting was uh, uh, an issue that we didn't have to worry about anymore off our coast, but apparently it's something that's coming up again. It, it's still there on a very small level, um, but it's there. And that's why, between us, the IGFA, and, uh, and a few other groups, we're all still behind trying to get it out of here. You know, it, we're not against commercial fishing. We aren't. We are, but we represent recreational fishermen, and the recreational fishermen have to worry about the resources. 
and that's part of why we're against gill netting. And it always seems like the first group to get whacked are recreational fishermen because they're unorganized. They seem to have no voice in the industry as opposed to some of the commercial interests and everything like that. So the first people you go after are, are the, 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 the mom and dad and kids that uh, want to go out and, and fish just off our shore or anything else like that. And all of a sudden they find out there's closures there and they go, how'd this happen all of a sudden? Yeah, unfortunately. You know, and then one of the things we learned from the MLPA efforts is, is that we weren't organized, that we were fighting among each other, whether it was the spear fishermen, the divers, the recreational fishermen, the commercials, the sport fleet. You know, it's all one fishery. We're all one industry if you really look at the grand picture of the whole thing. We all need to work together. Um, so if you look at what we're trying to do in the CCA California organization is to work together with the other groups. We are working with the divers, the spear fishermen, the Sport Boat Association, ASA, IGFA. We're working with everybody. We're really trying to not, you know, alienate any one group because everybody needs to work together here. Hey, Stan, Wendy, and I, we are speaking with uh, Wayne Cotto. He is the California Executive Director of the Coastal Conservation Association, talking about some of the issues. Uh, we're going to, you know, bang uh, Wayne with some more questions, and then you're going to learn more about how you can become a part of this organization if you're really, really concerned on conserving not only this resource that we call fishing here in, uh, in California, but also access to the fishing areas along the coast that we like to fish. But we're going to take a break right now. Stan, Wendy, Wayne, and myself will be right back after these commercial messages. Gamakatsu hooks are made from high-grade carbon steel specially heat treated to make them light and extra strong but not brittle. The Gamakatsu sharpening process is the most modern in the world and results in a perfectly conical point that is unequaled in sharpness. Gamakatsu offers a huge variety of hooks for all types of fishing, drop shot, extra wide gap, worm hooks, finesse wide gap, and a lot more. Gamakatsu has a hook for whatever style of fishing you want to do. Don't waste your time on a cheap hook. Ask for Gamakatsu hooks at your favorite tackle store now. H&M Landing is the most diversified sport fishing company on the West Coast. Serving the angling community since 1935, H&M Landing's name recognition and reputation for customer service is the best in the business. The H&M fleet provides the widest range of trip options and boasts the coast's largest open party fleet. For ocean fishing any time of the year, H&M Landing should be your choice for nearshore and offshore fishing. H&M is San Diego's most experienced sport fishing company, offering the best in half-day, three-quarter day, full, and multi-day trips, and a complete schedule of long-range adventures. Call today, H&M Landing, 619-222-1144, or visit their website at www.hmlanding.com for updated schedules and secure online booking. H&M Landing, the experienced angler's first choice in local and multi-day fishing since 1935. That's H&M Landing at 619-222-1144 or hmlanding.com. Hey, everybody. This is a message for our listeners from a new Baja Magic Lodge at Cedros Island. Cedros Outdoor Adventures wants to make your dream of fishing Cedros Island a reality. Want to go after giant calicos or yellowtail with the best Cedros Island fishing organization, but you just don't know who to contact? Then give Cedros Outdoor Adventures a call at 619-793-5419, or even better yet, log on to their informative website at cedrosoutdooradventures.com. 
There you can visit their trip calendar and schedule a trip that's convenient for you. Once again, the phone number is 619-793-5419 or their website of cedrosoutdooradventures.com. Captain Chris Randall from Chief Sports Fishing. And Captain Chris, tell us about what's happening on the Chief now that the tuna season is upon us. It's here and it's time to go on the Chief. For those who are not familiar with the vessel, she's an 85 by 24 deluxe sport fisher that offers a wide variety of open party trips ranging from one to five days in length. We're also available for private group charters. The Chief's onboard anemones include a fully remodeled galley with comfortable seating for 25, twin flat screen TVs with hundreds of movies, two roomy indoor heads with fresh hot water showers, stateroom and open berthing areas, an impressively large deck area, 200 scoop bait capacity, we have twin six-ton spray brine fish holds to keep your catch fresh, and our professional courteous crew will go the extra mile to make your trip a memorable one. To view our schedule, log on to H&M Landing at www.hmlanding.com or feel free to give them a call at 619-222-1144. You can also follow us on Facebook Facebook and at our webpage at chiefsportfishing.com. Hi, my name is Dennis Green, and I always love to talk about fishing. When I want the real information, I go to Rod and Real Radio. Those guys are who I thought they were. In Southern California, we do want to welcome you back on this Sunday evening to Rod and Real Radio. Stan and Wendy are with me tonight. Also, we have our special guest. He is the executive director for the Coastal Conservation Association of California, known as the CCA, Mr. Wayne uh, Cotel. And, again, Wayne, welcome to the show. Thank you. You know, we've been talking about the uh, Coastal Conservation Association, and my co-host, Wendy Toshihara, I want to ask you, Wendy, you are involved with so many different things in your life. You've got family You've got, you know, working with Iserline and all the uh, manufacturers you work with. You're, at, you're out there. You're angling all the time. You're also a very proficient hunter. There's a lot of things happening in your life. You are also, though, one of the directors on the state level for the, uh, the, the CCA. What attracted you to that? and Why did you want to get involved with that with all the other things that are happening in your life? Um, fishing and hunting is my passion. The outdoors is my passion. Not only is it my hobby, but it's also how I make a living. And when somebody attacks something that I love dearly, I'm not going to just sit there or stand by and watch them attack us. So I got involved um, with the Marine Life Protection Act, and I was a regional stakeholder and was able to actually work with the FinFIC, the Fishermen's Information Network, um, and the commercial fishermen, the divers, the kayakers, and everyone. And we were able to put forth a plan, um, a, a map, um, that, would, um, that we all could stand behind. Um, after that, then I became a board member for United Anglers. But when United Anglers um, had that lawsuit, they didn't have enough money, um, the, the anglers... Um, you know, couldn't come up with enough money to pay the attorney, so they had to sell their property. So after United Anglers went away, then Bill Shedd said, hey, how about CCA? They're a national organization. Um, Wendy, you know, I'm asking you, would you please be on the board? And, you know, the first thing I wanted to say was, 
Oh, you know, I really appreciate you thinking of me, <laughs> but I just couldn't do it, and I had to say yes, and I am so passionate about what I do that I had to help protect our fisheries. You know, and Wayne, I, th- I think this is probably one of the things that also drew you to the uh, uh, the Coastal Conservation Association, because as Wendy put out, the, during this uh, MLPA process and working with United Anglers, uh, the donations were just coming from grassroots people, and a lot of times we found ourselves really outgunned when it came to funds to be able to do the things that we wanted to do. Absolutely. And now with this national organization, tell us how that's different. Well, it's, it's a multi-level uh, organization. We really do still work on the grassroots methodology of it's all about the members, it's about the local chapters building uh, and having fundraisers to fund the state. So, but above it, you have national. National uh, is in 18 states. There are over 218 local chapters. Nationally, there are over 125,000 members. So if a state runs into any kind of a problem, national's there to help them to get back on track. And that happens over time, where you may have, you know, an issue of uh, weather is a good example. Right now, there are some of the fundraisers that could hurt some of the fundraising events that are coming up in some of the other states. So if they run into a financial problem, state the, the national chapter can come in there and help them and tie them over until they can get back on their feet. Now, that's an extreme. But for here, what's nice is that you have the national chapter that's been around for 38 years to guide us if we run into any problems, but they also take care of our national interest. There's already a full-time national lobbyist. There's already lawyers on staff. They have gone through all those issues in the other states, and they have been very, very successful. They have been fighting up in Oregon and Washington for many, many years over the issue of gill netting on the Columbia River. I mean, I'm thinking it's like 50 years they've been fighting this issue. They started CCA chapters up in the Pacific Northwest, and they got rid of those gill nets within eight years. That is a successful campaign. You know, it seems to me that one of the things you're looking at with an organization that has a track record and all these other states, that they have also probably run into some of the entities that we are running into that are well-funded here in the state of California They've dealt with them. They've worked with them. They know the people. They know how they work. They know what the process is. So this gives us an ad- a little bit more of an advantage than we had in the MLPA process where we thought, well, you know, our cause is right. Our cause is just. You know, we got the fishermen behind them, and this is what we wanted to do. And, and Wendy, I, I know you put a, a heroic effort, you and the other stake members, uh, but it was like beating your head against the wall to, the deck was well, you know why, John? You. What's that? What's Not, John, it, it had nothing to do with politics. Well, it actually had everything to do with politics. It was already a decision that was already made. We were just a dog and pony show. Um, we do deal with uh, a lot of the same people um, re- regarding those issues. But I think that um, what we really need to concentrate on is membership, raising the funds so that we can go ahead and hire our own lobbyists for our state. We need a state lobbyist, but we need money to pay for that lobbyist. We, we, need, we need members. We need membership. We need donations. And, you know, we also need what a lot of people don't really think about. We need more fishermen. We need, we, we need to um, teach our kids, and, and they're our future, and we need to um, help promote fishing 
so that we can keep our our um, passion alive. Well, you know, as Wayne mentioned, you know, Wendy, we need more fishermen. We just look at fishing licenses here in the state of California. There is so much pressure against going to a, a, a 365 day license that in 1980 we had uh, we sold two million licenses in the state of California. I think in uh, 2015 it's going to be estimated that that number will probably fall to 980,000, uh, maybe 990,000. So in that period you know, of time, John, yes. Um, I just came back from Alabama. I just fished over there and I fished in Texas. You can call a 1-800 number and write down your your fishing license on any piece of paper that you have, and there you go. There's your license. And it starts from whatever date and time you want it to start from. We should do the same. Well, you know, we, we can also do that in Mexico. We can buy a Mexican fishing license, and it's good the day that we buy it. It's good for 365 days. So that's just one issue. Let, Wayne, let's get back to you. There is going. Let's talk about a couple of things first, and let's talk about this uh, open meeting that is scheduled for the beginning of November. Again, tell us about this meeting, where it is, uh, all the issues about this, because this, this is going to be something important to go to. Yeah, th this meeting is going to be uh, held by the LH LA chapter. Okay. Uh, it is on November 11th. It's a Wednesday evening. Uh, it's an open meeting. You do not have to be a member. In fact, we'd love everybody to come in and become members at this meeting. If you have any questions, if you want to know what CCA is doing, please show up. It's at the Long Beach Rod uh, and Gun Club. Um, the doors open at 5. We'll have food and drink available. The meeting starts at 6.30. Our special guest that night is going to be Pat Murray, the president of the National CCA found, uh, chapter. And then we're going to have people from our state board and our local chapter. So you can come up there and, and uh, say hi and ask questions. Now, more importantly, how do we as recreational fishermen become members of this organization? You can go up to our website. It's ccacalifornia.org, and uh, you can go up to the join side and uh, join up. Now, what happens is this. Because we have national over the top of us, our, our base membership package annually is $30. Anything over that $30 stays in the state. So we always try to look for a $50 to $100 annual membership because that means the state is building the funds, which we need to go get that lobbyist, like Wendy was talking about. Now, we also have uh, life memberships, $1,000, $5,000, $10,000. If you don't have those kind of funds laying around, which most of us don't, you can do a life membership on quarterly payments. It's $250 every quarter. Uh, and then once you're done making those payments, then you become a life member. But everything over that $30 pretty much stays with the state, and that's where we start building our funds, between memberships and fundraising. Now, what's happening is we've got this open meeting coming up in November, but there's a couple other things that are happening coming up here that have to do with advocacy. Pacific Fishery Management Council, PFMC, is having their uh, next meeting down in Garden Grove on November 13th through the 19th. This issue that we were talking about, the gill nets, and the alternative um, type of fishing that they want to try to look at, that topic is going to come up on that Sunday of that meeting. So a bunch of us are going to go up and, and sit in on that. And then CDFW is having meetings down here in San Diego to go over lobsters, uh, the lobster issues. Uh, that's going to be in uh, December 9th and 10th right here in uh, like the Hotel Circle area or somewhere. So, you know, there's a couple of meetings, and this is that advocacy thing. 
when we talk about grassroots and network, it has to do with the members. Members have to be active for it to work. Well, not only that, we also need a resource where we can come up with the good science that advocates our causes as opposed to some of this bogus science that we've seen over the, the course of our struggles against different agencies that uh, whether or not it's uh, the California Department of, of, of Fish and Wildlife or it's the state, whether, whether it's, it, they see as, as being actual science and it's actually not based on anything. Yeah, you know, we're, we're very fortunate because we have people like uh, Merritt McRae on our uh, state board of directors, and he's uh, a scientist up at the uh, UCSB. Um, and he he's one of those guys that can help guide our scientific side and help us to get better science introduced into our initiatives. Well, you know, Wayne, and you've probably seen this, there's a lot of people that I think that would like to get aboard and really help and participate, but as being individuals or such a small segment of the overall population, they're, they're just getting tired of getting beat down because they figure that they have no voice, uh, that uh, what they have to say doesn't really mean that much when it comes to working against some of these other entities that are well-funded and that are, that are driven for a particular cause, whether it be political or environmental or whatever it is. Yeah, it, it is... Un, I guess daunting task that you, you look at what what we have up against us. But remember, they didn't start there. It took them years to get there, and because people became apathetic to the causes, they let this happen. We have to start right now. We all have to work together to gain our interest back, to gain our um, networking back, our influence in government, in our commissions, in our agencies. That's where it works. That's where grassroots works. If you don't start somewhere, if you do not start at the individuals and the relationships of people, you won't be successful because everybody knows somebody, and that's where the network and the influence comes in. So we need the voices. People have to be able to, when we put out a message to our members and say, we need you to get involved, when we say, we don't just put out that fire drill all the time. I, I don't like that because it looks like spamming. But when we ask our members, I need you to help us on a, uh, a, a specific drive, we need you to engage. That's where we hope that our membership is more active than just some of these other groups that say that they have people, but they really aren't active members. And that's hopefully where we're going to win. All right, Wayne. Again, let's uh, let's go over it again because of the fact a lot of people may have just been listening and give them an opportunity now to write this down or go to these locations. You've got a you've got an open meeting coming up in November. Again, where is that? Where is the time? And then for further information on the uh, Coastal Conservation Association of California, where can people go to find out exactly what they're doing? And then I'm going to imagine there there's also more information there about membership just in case they can't make the November meeting. November 11th, it's a Wednesday evening at the Long Beach Rod and Gun Club. You do not have to live in L.A. or be part of the L.A. chapter to come. It's open to anybody. So that's November 11th, Long Beach Rod and Gun Club. And then we, our website is CCA California, spelled out, ccacalifornia.org. That's our website. And you can go up there and you can see what's going on. You can join. Um, and if you want to contact me, 
I always put myself available. It's W-K-O-T-O-W at ccacalifornia.org. Wayne, I can't thank you enough for taking the time to be with us and joining in the uh, conversation. I know fishing has been close to your heart all, all these years. You've been involved with it for as long as I've known you and even longer than that. And A lot of the people that are out there listening to us also know of you. They know of your passion. And this is something we need to get behind. And I especially am uh, just encouraged by knowing that there's a person like you here in California representing uh, our particular uh, uh, desires and, and needs, and we want to thank you very much for your service because I know this is a labor of love. Absolutely. You know, I, I'm so passionate because of the it's our fishery, it's our future, it, and it, it, it's our industry. I, and I came from the industry with you. you. You know me from being a sales rep for you. I love this industry. I love fishing. I want to make sure that it's there for the future. And it, like you say, it's a passion. So thank you for giving me the opportunity to come on. Wayne, you're not going away. We want to thank you for being with us. Hey, we're going to take a break right now, but coming up next, we're going to catch up with a uh, former Southern California angler that has just traveled down to Lake Hartwell in South Carolina. Over the course of the year, he's been fishing the American Fishing Tour uh, uh, up in his area. He qualified to fish the national championships, again, at Lake Hartwell. He did extremely well over there. We're going to catch up with Cameron Smith, find out just exactly where he, what he did, what he's doing. But stay tuned. There's still more Rod Real Radio to come. Stan, Wendy, Wayne, and I, and Cameron Smith will be back right after these messages. Every serious angler knows that a quality hook is an important part of their arsenal. Gamakatsu hooks are made from high-grade carbon steel, specially heat-treated to make them light and extra strong, but not brittle. Gamakatsu ring hooks are made with a one-piece ring, no welds, no weak spots, a very smooth-moving ring. Gamakatsu offers a huge variety of hooks for all types of fishing. Live bait hooks, both light and heavy-duty, to four extra strong. Circle hooks, tuna hooks, ring the hooks, tuna doubles, and many more. Don't waste your next fishing trip on a cheap hook. Get Gamakatsu hooks at your favorite tackle store now. Hey, bass fishermen, who do you call for your bass boat insurance? Well, if you're not calling me at 1-800-BASS-BOAT for your boat insurance, you're probably paying too much and may not have the coverage that you need. In 1974, I developed the bass boat program that is what all the pros use today. The reason? No depreciation or any partial claim for your hull, your big motor, your trolling motor, or your electronics until your boat's 10 years old. That's right. You only pay $250 to get your boat on the water for any partial claim, and we still pay a stated value replacement cost for your boat if you have a total loss. We're the only people in the industry that does that, and that's why we are the choice of the pros. So if you want the best, forget the rest. Just call 1-800-BASSBOAT. Call 1-800-227-7262 or just spell BASSBOAT. 1-800-BASSBOAT. I know there's too many letters, but the T is free and the call's on me. That's 1-800-BASSBOAT, the choice of the pros for bass boat insurance. For more information, log on to 1-800-BASSBOAT.com. My angler aids to earth. Like the mighty flounder, I will keep one eye on the pole and the other watching for rogue waves. I'll save water by taking shorter showers and enthusiastically celebrate Talk Like a Pirate Day. Aye. I will chat up the locals before launching in unfamiliar waters. And I will always, always wear my life jacket. 
What's your H2O? Tell us at BoatCalifornia.com. The California State Parks Division of Boating and Waterways reminds you to wear it, California. It's tuna time, and it's time to reserve your spot on one of the newest boats in the fleet, the 70-foot Sea Adventure 2 at H&M Landing in San Diego. It has a really comfortable galley that seats up to 24 passengers with all the comforts of home, including two big satellite flat-screen TVs and satellite phone. The huge new bait tank and slammer ensure plenty of bait for everyone, and two four-ton refrigerated fish holds, both RSW and blast-free, have plenty of room to keep your catch as fresh as the minute you caught it. Reserve your spot on the Sea Adventure Two online at hmlanding.com or call H&M Landing at 619-222-1144. We are not in trouble. We are in great shape. And this is Rod Real Radio on AM 540. Hey, we're going to catch up what's happening with a good friend of ours. A lot of you anglers here, freshwater anglers in particular in Southern California, you fished against Cameron Smith. He uh, he moved on uh, out to the East Coast in a little place called Mashpee, Massachusetts, just north of the Cape Cod area. But that doesn't mean that he is retired or he's ca- he's crawled into an ice cave somewhere. He isn't fishing. Man, he's going out knocking him dead. Let's bring him aboard. Cameron, welcome to Rod and Real Radio. How you doing, sir? I'm doing great, guys. How are you? Uh, as you can see, but not as good as you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey, uh, you know. Uh, you know, tell us uh, quickly uh, uh, some of the fishing opportunities that you found up in uh, Massachusetts. We we just don't think here on the uh, West Coast as there being uh, tournament circuits and, and good things to fish up there, but you found that not to be the case, and then you've really stumbled across something with this uh, American Fishing Tour uh, Association, uh, used, uh, the old uh, ABA. Tell us about it. Well, um, I mean, when I first started fishing tournaments back when I was 15, I started with uh, the Military Bass Association, the MBAA, and that has transitioned into the American Bass Association, and um, now they have the American Fishing Tour. And so when I moved back here to Cape Cod in Massachusetts, I found an old director that I had met a while back at the championships, and he ran the circuit here. So I jumped on board and started fishing with them, and um, I was actually amazed at the amount of small, there are very small ponds back here, but amazed at how many fish are in them and the quality of smallmouth and also largemouth. Um, there are quite a few six- and seven-pound largemouth in these ponds up here, and uh, it's just fun. It's just a lot of fun fishing new waters and, and um, bringing some West Coast, style techniques to the Northeast area and having success doing it is just a lot of fun. Well, you fished, uh, uh, obviously, you were just fishing recreational area, just trying to get your your feet wet in this, and then tell us uh, how you started fishing uh, this uh, American Fishing Tour Association and how you got yourself elevated to finally making a championship that was held on Lake Hartwell in South Carolina, which, if I'm not mistaken, by way of the crows, it's got to be 1,500, 1,600 miles away from you. It's a while. I mean, it was a, it was a good, solid 17-hour drive straight through to get down there. Um, but the journey started a couple years ago when I moved back and uh, started doing a little research about the tournaments that they had here. And, um, you know, like you said, I just kind of wanted to get my feet wet, get a feel for the 
the area around here. So I, I just jumped in with the with the ABA and um, you know small time entry fees. It was only like seventy dollars, so there's not a lot on the line and not not a huge purse if you win, but just you know fun to be competitive and, and fish against other anglers and. Um, so I started fishing with them, and then I learned that they have a, uh, an incentive for this particular division has an incentive for the anglers of the year where they have a little, a little uh, pot set aside every year to help pay for the travel expenses. So at the beginning of this season, I found out that the championship was going to be at Lake Hartwell. I had never been to Lake Hartwell, but I knew about the lake, and I knew how it fished, and I knew that it, it fished very similar to the Southern California lake. So I decided that I was going to set out as the goal to get my divisional annual of the year so that I could, you know, help get money for the traveling expenses to go down there. And then um, within that tournament, it's kind of a tournament within a tournament against all the other divisional anglers of the year, and the highest finishing angler of the year will become the National Angler of the Year. So starting all the way back last September at the beginning of our season, I set out with that goal in mind, and I worked extremely hard for it. I practiced a lot, even though the lakes are very small and they're fairly easy to get a read on. I still I still spent a lot of time on the water and practiced and was able to achieve the Angler of the Year in our division. And then that took me down to South Carolina, which Lake Hartwell is a huge lake. Uh, but it's very fun to fish, and we ran into kind of a, a you know typical deal when you travel a long ways to go to a tournament. It seems like Mother Nature always jumps up and grabs you. But uh, we had a cold snap come through during pre-fishing, and the lake started to turn over, so the fishing got extremely tough, even on the locals. And um, when the locals are, resolved, are resolving to drop shotting uh, brush piles in deep water, you know you're in trouble. And so... Basically, started out pre-fishing, looking for the offshore structure and, and you know, deeper brush piles, because I, I know a little bit, of, you know, through research of the history of the lake. And uh, once I was able to, to locate quite a few places that were holding fish, even though they were small, I got some confidence that I could catch limits. And a lot of guys were complaining that they, they were only catching one or two fish a day in practice. So I figured I was on to a little something and started to spend a little more time searching some of the shallow water for some big largemouth with my favorite rat swim bait that I like so much. And I was able to locate a few areas that, that proved to be pretty clutch on the final day of the tournament. All right, we're going to go backwards just a second here, Cameron. You were, you're fishing deep brush piles. How deep is deep? Uh, you know, they were anywhere from 25 to 50. All right, and that's what, you know, that's Southern California-style fishing, a lot of that. Um, Absolutely. It was, it was like video game fishing, like people say. <laughs> yeah, but that's our style out here. Uh, that's and a lot of people don't have that down. Let's say, especially across the nation. And then you were fishing. You went from there to fishing rats. Yep. <laughs> kind of good kind for of, you. Uh, a total total one eighty, you know, of the spectrum type of deal. You're, were you throwing Were you throwing a standard rat like on a mat, or are you just throwing a rat swim bait, or like you throw a veil or something like that that would swim across the surface and and uh, more of a surface wake bait? What were you throwing? Yeah, that that's what it was. It's more like a surface wake wake bait. I mean, the, the guys back there that know me, they know that that's my favorite bait that has ever been invented, and I've I've been throwing that thing for a solid ten years, and I mean, I can't even count the amount of fish I've caught on those type of baits. So. 
Any particular uh, one? Uh, the one I was fishing um, is called the PB Rack, and I don't believe it's made anymore, but it was made by uh, George Pernicano. And uh, I was fortunate enough to, to get a couple, and uh, I've put them to good use. Oh, boy. <laughs> How big are they? I'm sorry, what was that? How big is that? Is that a four inch or six inch? How big a bait is that? Oh man, I would say the body of it is six inches, maybe seven inches, and yep. and then probably another five inches for the tail. Yep. Right. You know, so uh, it's a it's a good sized meal. Cameron, uh, uh, you know, a lot of uh, anglers out here in the West will never get the opportunity to fish Lake Hartwell. Is there a lake that we might be familiar with out here that maybe that it's like, and and how big is the lake? Uh, I believe the lake is like seventy or eighty thousand surface acres. <laughs> okay. It's monstrous, and the thing about it is, there are creek channels everywhere you look, and islands, and points, and drop-offs, and I mean it's just it's just amazing the amount of fishable water there that holds fish. You know, we have some big lakes out there. You know, all the desert lakes need Powell and. And, you know, you go up north to some of the other bigger lakes up there, and there's a lot of those places that, you know, a lot of the lake doesn't hold fish. But Lake Hartwell, I mean, it, it seems like everywhere on that lake has potential to hold fish. And so um, as, as far as a lake out there that compares to it, um, I mean, there really isn't anything. If I, had to, if I had to choose one off the top of my head, it would be San Vicente. Back in the days when it was open, because you could get that that deep water bite, you know, um, and then you could also transition to the swim baits and stuff like that. Not necessarily the brush pile element, but uh, the same type of thing. You know, you could find some fish schooled up in the deeper water and, and catch them by by using your meter, you know, to locate them and then and actually seeing them bite on your meter, uh, which is you know basically where I hone that skill. So what were you using on your drop shot? Was that something that was your Texas rig style or instead of an open hook? Uh, I was just using an open hook, just a number two Gamagatsu, the, the split shot drop shot hook. Yep. Uh, I was just using straight 10-pound fluorocarbon. I'm not a guy that really gets too into the line size and, you know, the whole braid to, braid to fluorocarbon leader type of stuff. I don't really bother with that. I just go a straight fluorocarbon 10-pound and a real basic 6-inch robo. Um, Christmas purple weenie, really? kind of a standard standard color that works just about any lake across the country. And what I was doing is I was dropping it straight down into the brush pile, so it allowed me with that open nose hook, I could still pull it right up out of the brush. You know, when I was done, I, I would just go over the top of the brush pile, and even if I didn't see any marks visible that looked like fish, I would still drop down in it and at least shake it for like five or six seconds and then pull it back out because just about every time you drop down, if there was a fish there, it was almost instant. You would almost be bit, you know. A lot of times, if the bait would hit the bottom, I'd put the reel and gear lift up, and the fish would be on. So, you know, it, it, wasn't, it wouldn't take too long. I was using a real heavy weight, like a 3-8-ounce weight, to get it down there real fast. And I would just drop it down, shake it a few times. If I didn't get bit, I'd pull it out, and I'd just pull the motor around the point until I found the next brush pile. And, you know, every third or fourth one I went to, I was able to catch fish out of. They weren't all big, but, um, you know, after, through the course of the day, I was able to get enough people to, to have a Cameron, you, you were fishing against 250-plus anglers, so you didn't do as well as you like to have done in the 
the first two days, but uh, the third day you slammed it. Uh, you had 14 plus pounds. You were far and away had the 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 heaviest bag of that day. Tell us overall how you finished and for finishing the way you did. What was the gold ring that uh, was yours? Well, that uh, that final day was the one that pushed me over the top. I knew I needed a big bag and. My drop shot bike kind of slowed down, so I just decided that I was going to go down swinging, and I went through that rat, you know, almost the entire day from about 9 o'clock on. I was able to land three nice largemouths to weigh that 14-pound bag, and that jumped me from 14th place to second place overall in the tournament. Um, now I was competing against 250 people, but probably 120 of those guys are within two hours of that lake, and they fished it a lot in their lifetime. So it was, it was great to be up there, you know, in the top, and the way it works, like I was saying earlier, since I was an angler of the year for my division, I was fishing in essentially that tournament within the tournament against the other anglers of the year, so my second place finish earned me the national angler of the year, and for that, I won a new Triton TRX-21 boat with a Pro-XS uh, 250 horsepower motor on it, Garmin Electronics, Odyssey batteries, the full nine yards, trailer, everything, and also a two-year lease on a Dodge Ram truck of my choice up to $50,000 that all I have to do is pay insurance on for two years. Uh, pretty <laughs> nice. You know, a lot of people, you may remember Cameron. In fact, he's still doing it. He is the the innovator, the inventor, and the manufacturer of the Triple Shad, which we still offer here at Angler's Arsenal. You can find it in some locations throughout Southern California. And I'm, I think Tackle Warehouse uh, is still uh, handling it. You know, Cameron, unfortunately, we've run out of time. But, Guy, we want to just congratulate you on a great finished Angler of the Year from, you know, good old Mashpee, Massachusetts. Man, you probably had... You probably startled everybody in that group from where you came from, but we know the real story from where you came from. Great. Well, I appreciate the opportunity to be on, and I, I just want to wish everybody out there well, and, and I hope things are going good. Good. We look uh, forward to speaking to you again later on because I think we got another uh, order of triple shad to have to come your way, Cameron. <laughs> Sounds good. All right. Thanks a lot for being with us. And, again, congratulations from all of us here on Ron Real Radio. All right, hey, thank you very much. You guys take care. Uh, thanks, Cameron. Hey, guys, that's about it for tonight. In fact, uh, you know, great show. Uh, I'm getting texts on it right now, people saying to us, you guys did a great job. Wendy, uh, keep safe and uh, much success uh, up at uh, Bass Pro Shop. Oh, well, thank you, and hopefully I'll have a picture of an elk that uh, I, uh, I was able to get while I'm in Colorado. All right. And Add a girl. Go get them. And Wayne Kotel, Executive Director for the CCA here. Wayne, thanks a lot for being with us, man. I am just impressed with uh, how that organization has progressed in just the, the few months that you've been with it. Congratulations. Keep it going. Thank you, and thank you for having me on the show. And Stan, what are you going to be doing this next week? I'm getting ready to go on a 13-day trip here coming up. I'm loading up the 50 to 130-pound string and... Getting stuff ready for Wahoo and Big Tuna. All right. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that's it for the radio show tonight. On behalf of Stan, Wendy, Wayne, myself, also JR, our producer at the AM540 Studios.
Also, Ben Harvey, our local producer here in San Diego, and always in memory of Big Tuna Bill and Eddie McEwen, the guys that really got this radio show going. We want to thank you for giving up some of your Sunday night to be with us. This is Rod and Real Radio on AM 540. You missed any of the show, just go to roddenreelradio.com, hit the archive button, and you can hear any of the past shows for, I don't know, the past umpteen years. So on behalf of the entire gang, you guys have a great week of fishing. Stay safe. Get out there in the water. They're getting away. We look forward to seeing you on the water real soon. We're out for now. Good night, everybody.